Glad that you could all be here with us this morning. For those of you that are online, welcome. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we're so thankful uh, this morning that we may be here as your people, uh, that we, uh, through Christ Jesus our Lord, have been justified by your grace and by your provision that you not only have supplied uh, this relationship that we might be called children of God, uh, but that you have supplied all that is needful and necessary, abundant grace uh, to walk with you. We're thankful that our our Lord Jesus gave us another helper, uh, that he would be with us forever. We're thankful for the Uh, the sweet Holy Spirit that has been given to us uh, to abide in us forever and that that spirit of truth uh, that the world cannot receive, Lord, uh, but we know the Holy Spirit and and He abides with us uh, and actually uh, through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, has come to indwell us. Lord, we acknowledge our need for your spirit to illuminate truth to us, that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. But your Holy Spirit has equipped and uh, and supplied all that's necessary uh, for us to walk in light. And as the Lord Jesus prayed, that we'd be sanctified by your word, for your word is truth. Or sanctify us in your truth, for your word is truth. And your Holy Spirit gives illumination to such things that we might walk in light, assimilate that truth into our lives and walk before you. We're thankful that our Lord Jesus has uh, come to indwell us and that you, our Heavenly Father, and our Lord Jesus have come to make your abode with us as your people. God, we give thanks that the Trinity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has come to abide in your people. Uh, Sinful though we have been, and the wages of our sin being death, our Lord Jesus bore those sins upon the cross of Calvary. Thank you, Lord God, for your great mercy. Open our hearts to your word now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So God bless you for being here and coming out and uh, to be with us to worship this morning. We uh, <clears throat> are, have been doing our studies in Romans chapter 8, and uh, this morning I'd like to begin, uh, if I may, um, <clears throat> we're, our, the verses that we'll cover will be 9 through 11, um, but if we could go back to, uh, I'd say, uh, verse 21 in chapter 7, and I just want to read uh, through that we get, get some uh, cohesion to our studies there from chapter 7 into chapter 8. And there in verse 21 it says, I find then the principle that when I would do that which is good, evil is present in me. And verse 22 of chapter 7, For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, But I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. And then in chapter 8, there's a connection here, as you would notice. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us 
who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set upon the flesh is death, but the mind set upon the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set upon the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And then our three verses this morning that we'd like to look at are verses 9 through 11. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. This morning I want to speak to you about God's power to sanctify your life. Uh, what God has done through Jesus Christ, through the power of the gospel, through, <clears throat> through the power of the cross, as we uh, consider the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. And brothers and sisters, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, the scripture is clear here. Uh, but we want to consider how does God set us free from the body of this sin and death, because Paul is addressing these things, uh, looking at at uh, at believers and expressing <clears throat> in chapter seven. You can't help but notice that uh, for that which I am doing, I do not understand. The apostle Paul is addressing <clears throat> the spiritual battle in his own life between the fleshly nature, the sin nature and the new nature that's given to us in Christ Jesus. It's this battle that Paul is addressing, and as we made our three, way through the book of Romans, uh, it began with the sinfulness of man, our lost condition, uh, and God's justification uh, for our sin in Christ Jesus. He became a propitiation for our sin, and he, <clears throat> he bore our wrath on the cross of Calvary, uh, that uh, that we who uh, were dead in our sins, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of our sin was death. This sin and death uh, that uh, was in our body, was, was part of our Adamic nature, was put to death on the cross, sufficiently paid for and full. We were justified. Romans chapter 5 deals with uh, Romans chapter 4 deals with the faith that is applied to the grace that has been given through Christ. Uh, and uh, as David said, blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute iniquity. Uh, Romans chapter 5 deals with the reconciliation that we have been given access into this grace wherein we stand. And this grace provision that God has made is uh, is ongoing thing. It's not something that, that was a one-time instant, but he brought us into his family, and then God, through Jesus Christ, has supplied grace for us to live and walk with God uh, in Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, and so we come to uh, at chapter 7, and Paul deals with the believer and the struggle that we have in the waged war between the flesh and the spirit. And as we read in verse 21, uh, we find that when we do, would do that which is good because of that nature within us that, that God has given to us when we were born again, uh, that principle of evil comes into effect, the principle of our flesh. And this conflict is as addressed uh, numerous times and places in Scripture, the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And so uh, as Paul comes to the conclusion of chapter 7, he asks the question, and that's what we would ask this morning, 
as we look at our verses 9 through 11. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? And this is born out of that struggle, the flesh against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. It's born out of the Christian struggle. It's born out of of that reality that there's that principle that comes into effect that though we as born-again people have been given a new desire, that there's still that need, as the Scripture says, to work out your own salvation in fear and trembling or in humility, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So we find in these verses that battle between the flesh and the Spirit and the glory of the Gospel, what Christ has done in His work, that we may know victory in the Christian life, that we may know victory over that principle that comes into effect, that wants to do and that will always want to do evil because it is a body of sin and death. And one day we will receive a resurrected body and be glorified in Christ Jesus. But until that day we will have this struggle uh, between the flesh and the spirit And there's plenty of warning in Scripture about this battle that we fight as believers. Um, So how does God set us free from the body of this death? Wretched man that I am, who shall set me free from the body of this sin and death? What we find in these verses, if we look at verses 9 and 10, is that the body is contrasted with the spirit and the body as being dead is contrasted with the spirit as being alive. And these two uh, things are are very much uh, a reality in the believer. There's a dual nature and there's a dual within between these two uh, realities uh, that are part of the sanctification process and the things that must take place in order to be set free from this body of sin and death. God has not left you without. The the, uh, scripture that we looked at, Jesus told the disciples that that he would send another comforter, another one to help, another helper, and that this helper has been with them, but he will be in you. And that's what we're looking at under the, the blessing of the new covenant, under the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, the provision that he has made, the wretched men and woman and people that we are, uh, we have been set free from the body of this death through the work that Jesus Christ did, through the plan of our loving Heavenly Father to deliver us from this body of sin and death. And so uh, we as God's children no longer have to wallow and be under the bondage of sin and the slavery of sin because we have been set free in Christ Jesus. Let's look at these verses. Uh, Verse uh, uh, 9, we we see uh, how God sets us free. The Christian is in the Spirit. First of all, the Christian is in the Spirit. If we look at verse 9, it says, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. The Christian is in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to God. So as we consider this verse, the Scripture tells us that that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ, lives in the believer. And what does this this verse tell us in regard to these things? Uh, You're not in the flesh. Well, what does it mean that we're not in the flesh if these verses that we've looked at before... Uh, the, the Christian is not in the flesh. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So there was a death to self, right? Uh, that took place in Romans chapter 6. Uh, do you not know that you were baptized into Christ's death? We are in Christ. So there's a death to ourselves. There's a death that we experience uh, within the Lord Jesus Christ in the covenant that he has made and in the work that he did. 
He substituted on our behalf. That was the power of the cross. That's the wonderful work that he did. And the scripture tells us that we have been baptized into Christ's death. We are seen forensically, legally by God as having died with Christ for the penalty of our sins. Remember, the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's notice a couple of things in these uh, verses. First of all, um, that uh, we're not in the flesh, uh, but we're in the spirit. And we find in the spirit that uh, Ezekiel 11, 19, and 20 tells us about this new covenant. It was prophesied that it would come. And in this new covenant, God through the prophets, described what was going to happen to Israel in the later days, what, what blessing God was going to supply. And he says in Ezekiel 11 and verses 19 and 20, I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. I want to connect this with what we uh, just uh, prayed about, that, that Jesus said, I'll send you another comforter and he will be in you. And here in Ezekiel uh, the prophecy said that, that he would put a new spirit within them. And I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. Then they will be my people and I shall be their God. So there's this, uh, this quickening that God is uh, prophetically going to supply we come to the New Testament and our Lord Jesus said, um, this is the new covenant in my blood. Uh, and he offered up himself on the cross of Calvary, paying the full penalty for our sins. And that full penalty being paid, he gave to us eternal life. And so we're in the spirit. We're in the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ by what God has done. Now, if we look at the verse here, verse 9, it, it says, you are not in the flesh. And that you is in the, the particular Greek language here is emphasized. That The preposition is, is the first in the, the sentence, which means that there's an emphasis upon where Paul is, is turning from this these uh, statements that he's being made uh, through chapter 7 about I, 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 and how he talks to you. And he's, he's turning it on these believers and saying, you are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. Uh, and this is significant because it's the entrance into the new covenant. Um, and then we find uh, a third point in your notes there. The spirit permanently uh, lives in him. Okay? So what does it say? If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, you're not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Or do you not know, the Scripture says, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. We've been bought with a price, and our body has become a temple of the living God. His Spirit has taken up a bow. The scripture says there again, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, that means he makes his home. He permanently has come to live in your life. So what are the ramifications of this truth in scripture? And what does it mean that uh, if we are believers? Now I want to make a couple of points here. One is that, first of all, there's not a second baptism. There's not a second blessing in Scripture. The Scripture tells us that uh, you are in the Spirit if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So, if you have to have a second blessing in order to receive the Spirit of God, and this is a teaching in some of the churches and uh, some of our charismatic uh, churches, if you have to have a second blessing, 
according to this verse, if you don't have the Spirit of God, you don't receive the Spirit of God, then the gospel is incomplete, and you're not a Christian unless you have received this, this second blessing. It's just simply not taught in Scripture. For one who believes and puts their faith in Jesus Christ, the gospel tells us, uh, this spirit of the living God causes, God causes us to be born again. And this spirit of the living God comes and makes abode uh, and takes up abode within us. So there's not a second blessing or a second uh, experience of the Holy Spirit for the believer. If you're born again, if you're a believer, there's no greater passage to explain the, the truth and the reality than this one. You're just simply not a believer unless the Spirit has come to indwell you. Uh, so the Spirit permanently <clears throat> lives in us, and uh, our body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit as Jesus said in John chapter 14, forever. <clears throat> so, um, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So our open, your earthen vessels and let the Holy Spirit engage the Holy Spirit in cleaning your house. Um, there's a wonderful little book that describes this relationship that we have with the Spirit of, of Christ. This, sometimes it's called the Spirit of Christ. Sometimes it's called the Spirit of God, uh, the Holy Spirit. Um, but this Spirit uh, is described in this particular book as is, is, uh, um, uh, Christ uh, in our hearts, Christ in you. He lives in our heart, and he takes up abode in all of these particular areas of our lives, and uh, starts in maybe the living room, uh, and the Holy Spirit comes into the, the living room, and he cleans house, and we begin to, to clean house, and uh, the relinquishment or yielding uh, to this relationship that God has given to us is a sanctification process. The Holy Spirit comes in. Uh, the, the Word of God is, uh, is illuminated to our, our... The truth is sanctifying. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. And that Word of God comes and He begins to clean our house. And, it, and all of these different compartments of your lives are intended to be given into the control of the Spirit of God, in control of this, the Spirit of God's power. That's what delivers us from the body of this sin and death. It's that, that work, that ongoing work of the Spirit of God, of the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ, through the Word of God, through the sanctifying Spirit and, and glory of His Word, that, that cleans the house. And it takes these different compartments of our lives and there's a yieldedness to the Lord God. Uh, likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God uh, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust and do not go on presenting your members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. There's a yieldedness to the Spirit of God. There's a work that God does. It's the sanctifying process. And the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and He, he challenges these different areas of our lives. Every compartment. And God does that work. And if that work's going on, if that Spirit of God is there in you and you're not dead to your sin, then, uh, then you're... Uh, then you have salvation. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He has, has not only supplied the forgiveness for, for each of those pockets, for each one of those rooms in your life, but He's also, by the power of His Spirit, cleansing those out of our lives. That's the Christian life. Uh, that's what God has left you here for. 
that we might be a light in the world, a demonstration proving the good and acceptable and perfect will of God through, uh, through his, his word, through the, the work of his spirit within us. So where does salvation come from? Where did our justification come from? It comes from God's grace by faith, by trusting in his word, by trusting that what God says is reality, what God says is true. And where does sanctification come from for the believer? Does it not come from the power of God by his grace? Is salvation not of God? Is it something that man does for himself and of his own energy, of his own strength, of his own wisdom? Is, can man do this type of thing, like sanctification? No. No, he cannot. But the Spirit of God at work within us is our salvation. He's the one that is able to do what we cannot do. A point four here, he is not Christ if he does not possess his Spirit. If we do not have the Spirit of Christ within us, then we do not possess his Spirit. So, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. This body is an earthen clay vessel. It's made up of dirt, made up of the minerals of this earth. 90% of our body is water, and, and the other 10% are the minerals of this earth. That's what our physical bodies are made up of. They're bodies of sin because of the fall of Adam and bodies of death that will return to the dust. And in this clay earthen vessel, the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. God, through Jesus Christ, has delivered us from our sin, from the penalty of our sin. And God, through Jesus Christ, will deliver you from the power of that sin in your lives. From the power over this clay and earthen vessel, the light and the glory and the power and the salvation of God through our Lord Jesus Christ is displayed in your life. So, what does that mean to us? Does it not mean rest? Does it not mean that, that, that we can rely upon God who is able to do what we're maybe for the first time really realizing that, hey, I'm not, I wasn't designed, I'm not made to do these things. But God, through Jesus Christ, made this provision. That's why Jesus said, I will send you another comforter. And it's good that I go away, because if I go, the Father will send the Holy Spirit, and He will be with you forever. And He will guide you and teach you these things which are needful for us to know. He'll clean the house. He'll get out of the living room and go to the bathroom and he'll go to the closet where the skeletons are in all of those places because there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He has swept us clean uh, through the work of Jesus Christ and his word is good, it is true. And the dependence is not upon ourselves and upon our own ability and upon how well we do, but upon how great our God is. And what he is able to do in and through us. That's grace. Our salvation comes by God's grace through faith in him. Through faith in his power. He's our savior. And our sanctification comes by God's grace through faith in him. He's able to do it. He's the one that's going to carry you through. And that's the thing that you can put your hope on. That's where your trust belongs. Because you see, the truth is that for us as believers, we're so often engaged in trying to clean up our lives and make ourselves presentable to God by our own power, our own strength. And we, we relinquish the beautiful treasure that God has given to these earthen vessels of His Spirit and his power and his salvation where it truly comes. Where you see, we must work out our own salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will, he gives you the desire and the power to do it. So what does it mean? How do I know that I have the Spirit? 
What does it mean to have the Spirit? How do I know that I have the Spirit of God? So, well, the Scripture tells us that, that the fruit of the Spirit is, is spoken of in Galatians chapter 5 is, as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Notice what it says. Against such things there is no law. There's no law against the fruit of the Spirit. Why is that? Why is it that there's no law against the fruit of the Spirit? Because the law is, is consumed. It's, it's, it's above the law. It's above the, the act of doing the things that we're so often engaged as believers and trying to do in our own strength and our own power. But when we're controlled by the compassion, the love of our Lord Jesus Christ for one another, the Scripture says, Oh, no man anything but to love one another. For in this is the fulfilling of the law. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal. If there be any other commandment, it is fulfilled in this one thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's a fulfillment of the law. The love of Jesus Christ as it was expressed to you on the cross of Calvary when without any merit on your own part He supplied to you, He gave to you. And that love of Jesus Christ through the Spirit of Jesus Christ is enacted in our lives when the Holy Spirit has control. So how do I know that I have the Spirit? Well, these things should be characteristic of my life. So characteristic of our flesh, that body of sin and death, is what? Well, it's selfish, right? And we all know that experience. We all know how selfish we can be. We all know how self-focused we can be. The question for us becomes, is there uh, the spirit of, of the living God there within us? Is the fruit of God's spirit manifested in my life? And, and so often we experience it, do we not? I mean, I'm, I'm pointing fingers at myself here. It's so much of my service to the Lord is, is done in the strength and energy of my flesh. It's done, uh, consumed, and, and, and enacted by the flesh. And, and oftentimes uh, that service or those, those acts of uh, works or deeds are, are actually... Uh, frustration. It's, it, they're born out of frustration because my flesh is enacted. It's, it's working, even in religious things. It's, it's the nature of, of this battle. And the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. But where does the victory come from? Well, first of all, the victory is that, that, that you're engaged in that battle. If you're engaged in that battle, that tells you something, doesn't it? That if you have what Paul is speaking of here, this desire, I, I desire to do that which is good. Who gives you that desire? It's God that works in you both to will or give you the desire and the, and the will to do something. He gives you uh, and the power to do something. So he, he gives you the desire. This one who is born again has new desires. Uh, because one who is dead basically is controlled by that body of sin and death. But one who has been born again, one who has the fruit of the Spirit, has that compulsion, that desire to do that which is good. And yes, as the Apostle Paul stated in, in uh, verse 21 of chapter 7, I find that law and that principle that when I would do that which is good, when I do that which I... Uh, try to do that which I desire, that principle or that law is at work within me, uh, that evil is present there. Selfishness is present there. Pridefulness is selfish, is there. Uh, these things are true in the Christian life, and it's the battle of the Christian life. It's why the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So we should not be surprised by these things, but who delivers us from the power of that sin and death? Our Lord Jesus does. Our Lord Jesus has given and supplied that which was needed and necessary. So let's ask the question, 
because the disciples had these questions, right? Um, what, what about Judas? The scripture says, and I said this, not, not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box and he used to pilfer what was put into it. Judas was a thief. He was compelled by selfishness. He lived by selfishness and selfish desires. He's never uh, moved by this, the, the Spirit of God, even though he worked miracles by God. And, and with the other disciples, we assume that he did, uh, that he went out with the disciples, that he uh, was, was characterized by certain things. He carried and, and, and the, the face of Christianity, of the Messiah, and yet he was not a believer. What was wrong with Judas? And this is something that, that we each should examine our hearts. Do we have that desire for the living God? Are we driven by flesh, by our selfishness, by pridefulness, uh, by our own desires and own personal gain? Or are we given to the fruit of the Spirit and do we have that desire? Not that there's not the battle there between your flesh, but that uh, we, we have and know the fruit of God's Spirit. We have the desire that God has given to us because His Spirit is there and dwelling within us. That is God's power to sanctify the believer. So let's look at verse 10 then. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Uh, the Christian's spirit, uh, uh, or Christ's spirit, is in the Christian. Uh, and this is the second point. The spirit is in the Christian, but uh, Christ's spirit is in the Christian as well. Uh, so it's God in you, uh, God's spirit in you, and and uh, you and God's Spirit. Jesus said it like this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Uh, there's a mutual abiding. There's abiding in Christ and Christ abiding in you by Spirit. Um, we abide in Christ because when we were born again, we were baptized into His death. We, In this concept in Scripture, and I, I challenge you to, to look at the verses that say, in Christ... In Him, and 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 to think of the, the 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 gravity of what those those words that simple preposition means to be in Christ means to abide in God. Christ prayed that we might be one with Him, as He and the Father are one, that we might be one in Christ Jesus. So there's a a relationship that we have. What is that oneness? Well, it's the Spirit of God. It's it's Christ Spirit in the Christian that that brings us together in a unique way with all of our differences, with all of the facets of our different personalities, with all of the the, the directions and the certain things that 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 God has laid upon your heart and the in the diversity there, in the gifts of the Spirit, with all of these the diversity of the differences and the facets of our personalities, there's a oneness in Christ Jesus because the Spirit of the living God has come to indwell your heart and your life. It's a wonderful thing that God does in God's people. It's a wonderful thing that there can be uh, unity with our differences and, and, and that we, uh, through the principles of, of God's Word and the truth of God's Word, you know, when we forgive one another as, as God has forgiven us, there's, there's a, a, a walls come down uh, and... And there's that, that opening that the Spirit of God brings in the hearts and lives of God's people. Think about it. What an incredible, wonderful expression of the kingdom of God, of the power of God, of the glory of God, of the salvation of God, of the reality of God and what God is all about. It's an expression and our light so shine before men that they see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's what you're called to. That's what it means. 
Christ, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Where does that righteousness come from? Where does the righteousness come from? It doesn't. We don't drum it up in ourselves, right? There's not. It's, uh, the fall of Adam, uh, being uh, born into his seed, the nature of Adam, going back to Romans chapter 5, uh, we were born into death. Born uh, through the body, though the body is dead because of sin. Uh, and yet... The Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Where does that righteousness come from? It comes from the person, the character of our Lord Jesus Christ. So John 15, 3-5, Jesus said, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. That's sanctification, folks. That's living the Christian life. And what's the essence of it? What's the nature of it? The nature of it is this intimate relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Because he is the vine, our life source, the life, the sanctification process, the work that God does in and through you is done by the power of Jesus Christ and by your association with Him being in Christ Jesus. Isn't that cool? That's an amazing thing. God cannot fail. He that has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus to those, those who are in Christ Jesus. He's, he's taken away our sin and our guilt and all of our failure and supplied salvation. He is my Savior. He is the one who, who brought that which we could not attain in any way through any work. And He is good. He is true to His Word. He that beholds the Son and believes in Him has, present tense, at this very moment, eternal life. You have eternal life. And I myself will raise Him up on the last day. It's not all ending here, is it? It's, we're, not, we're not ending in this struggle of this body of sin and death with this righteousness that's been placed in us. The righteousness of Jesus Christ, right? God made He who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God, what? In Him. In Christ Jesus. Where does that righteousness come from? The Spirit is alive because of righteousness. And that righteousness is Christ's righteousness. And that righteousness is eternal. It is unblemished. It is perfect in all that it is and it's inside of you through the work that Jesus Christ did on your part. And you can trust that however miserable your lives may be and however deep and difficult your struggles may be with the flesh, that there is victory over the power of sin and death in your life through the righteousness of Jesus Christ and through this Spirit, Christ's Spirit, that is in the Christian, that is in the believer. We can't lose. The victory has been won for us by Jesus Christ. The, the only and the best thing that we can do as God's people is trust Him. And we look to Him and we know that God has given us victory, that it's just a matter of by faith laying hold of the victory that He has won for us. So what do we need most of all? Faith in our Savior. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith that He will forgive my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That's a process, you know. He's cleansing our lives from unrighteousness. Would you relinquish yourself to Him, to such a one that's willing to do such a thing for you? Are you willing? He asked for it. 
He asks for your will. He asks for you to make a decision. He that abides in me and and I in him bears much fruit. There's a decision there. Work out your own salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What does that mean? It means that by faith we trust in God to give us the desire to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, forgive our sin, and uh, to give us the power to do what his will is for us. So I want to know the Father's will. And, but it's, it's equally important that I know that the Spirit of God is able to quicken me and enable me to do the Father's will. Christ, his Spirit, is in the Christian. He has enabled us. He is the vine and we are the branches. And what we need most of all in your struggle, listen very carefully, what you need most of all in your struggle with sin is to know the person of Jesus Christ. Draw near to him. Draw near to in your relationship to Christ Jesus because that's where the power is. And you can do that how? By faith in Christ Jesus. By faith that he is going to save me, he is going to deliver me, and he is going to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. He is going to forgive me for this sin that I keep committing. He's going to cleanse it out of my life, and he's going to fill me with the spirit that quickens and enables uh, he by his power to do those things for his glory. And who gets the glory? The glory of God, the glory of our heavenly Father, the great love of God for you. He has loved you with an inexpressible, unspeakable truth and joy in Christ Jesus. So Christ is in the true believer. And then secondly, the body is dead because of sin. And he, he tells us in Galatians 5.16, we've looked at this verse before, I know, and as many of these verses that we've looked at. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Notice there in verse 10, take a look at it. Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin. So we have this contrast between death and life. Just as we had the contrast between uh, as we looked there in the, the uh, uh, first verse between the, the body and the spirit, here we see this contrast between death and between life. And death is because of sin, and life is because of that indwelling righteousness. Right? The spirit is alive because of righteousness. So righteousness of character before God you see, because um, we're often ruled by what people think about us. Uh, but true Christianity is the realization that God knows everything. That there's nothing done in secret. In fact, the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, uh, that the things done in secret and the motives of the heart will be exposed on the day of judgment. God knows it all. It's nothing that you have hidden from Him. There's no dirty, rotten sin that God doesn't know about you. He knows it all. He sees everything. He knows everything. He knows all of your secrets. So Christ in you, the, the hope of glory, and, and my heart, Christ home, uh, this this truth that, that he has come to abide there, he did it knowing all of that junk about you. Uh, he saved you with full knowledge of all of those things that, that you ever did or will do. And he forgave you of those things. And in fact, he was willing to go to the cross of Calvary to deal with that skeleton in the closet to deal with those horrible sins that you can't and don't want to tell anyone and nobody knows about. Uh, but rightness of character before God is what righteousness is all about. It means not that, we're, that we've somehow cleaned up our lives enough to be perfect enough to go before God and to be in a relationship with Him, but to realize 
that that he is the one that we want to clean up for. And he is the one that will clean us up. And rightness of character, integrity, and honesty, and truthfulness, and, and such things as are characteristic of our Lord Jesus Christ are the things that are necessary for us. And you may be think, thinking, uh, as Judas thought, that you're, you're, you're stealing out of the coffer and you're doing all of these things and nobody knows about it, so everything's okay, but it's not. God knows those things. Christ knew those things about Judas, and yet he extended the sop. He extended uh, a, a friendship to Judas on the very night that he was going to betray him. That's the love of Christ for you. And he wants you to come. And righteousness is that rightness of character that, that is open before God. You realize, I'm exposed. Everything uh, that can be known about me, uh, that can be known in secret, is known by the Lord God. And he loves you. And he loves you enough to have died for that sin that is offensive to God and it would separate you from God for all eternity. That's how much he loves you. And his, his hands are open. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's an open invitation to anyone that would come to Christ Jesus. Uh, but deal with what's on the inside of you and forget about others. Think about one. Think about the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about your Father in heaven. Think about the Holy Spirit and, and that conviction that He's bringing into your heart and to your life that righteousness may reign. And righteousness is there and that desire is there and that desire was there for Paul. And who shall deliver me from this awfulness that God sees and that I hide but God Himself but our Lord Jesus Christ. He's able to deliver us. So rightness of character before God and rightness of action before men. Is God concerned about that? Does he, he care that, that our light so shine before men that we prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God because we cling to his word, we hunger for his word? And God, if, if, if God would be so good to increase our hunger for those things that we need hunger for, may he increase that hunger in your heart and life. May we long for it. May we long for the righteousness of Jesus Christ and long for that, that uh, to do that which is good because God gives us that desire. It's His Spirit that gives it to us. And if you yearn for it, yearn for it more. Yearn for the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ because the only way you could get it, it's a gift of God's grace by faith in Christ Jesus. He's our Savior. He's the one that's able to give it to us. And may God burden us with that desire for righteousness and goodness which is not displayed before men in order to win their favor, but displayed before God. And it's seen in secret. Nothing hidden. All open. All out before Him. And I call you, I challenge you to that this morning. I challenge you to be that Toward the Lord our God. The Spirit is alive because of righteousness. And so we look at these verses, Romans 5.21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The expression of that eternal life, the expression of that uh, uh, assimilation of of that fruitfulness that Jesus Christ prayed for. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be given unto you. I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abides in me bears much fruit, righteousness, eternal life, born in our, and assimilated into our very being through the Spirit of the living God. That's awesome. And it's something that we should yearn for and desire and seek after with with all of our, our energy and with all of our heart and mind and soul given to God and, and given to these very things that we may love the Lord our God and serve Him and give ourselves before Him. So the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. 
In Jeremiah 33, 16 prophesied, In those days Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell in safety. And this is the name by which she will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. I would like for to encourage you to bask in that truth. Just to bask in the reality. To bask in the realization by faith that Jesus Christ is my righteousness. And it's sufficient. It's sufficient for your deepest and darkest sin, for the worst skeleton that's in your closet. It is sufficient. It is enough for God the Father. He propitiated for your sins. Past, present, and future, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. God will complete in you what He began in Christ Jesus until that very day. So... um, I think I, I have a, a quote from you or for you here by Spurgeon. He, he put it this way. There's no doctrine more true to experience than this, that corruption remains even in the hearts of the regenerate, and that when we would do good, evil is present with us. We are often like a glass of water that has been standing still for hours and looks very clear and bright. But there's a sediment, and a little stir soon discovers it and clouds the crystal, That sediment is the old nature. One day soon we will receive our glorified body and then sin's presence and pleasure will be forever totally eradicated. Lord, haste the day. No more sediment. Hallelujah. That's what we have in the future that we have in Jesus Christ. There's a day of glory where Jesus said, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. This body of sin and death will be done away with. We'll receive a new body, an immortal body. Mortality will put on immortality. And we will be relieved from this struggle, but your flesh is going to war against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh in these days. Um, For those things which are good and true and which God sees and has placed within us. So... Um, with that I'm going to read verse 11 and I'll probably pick up with it next time since we're out of time I don't know how time got away from me like this Uh, verse 11 but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you I just this verse, I think everybody, ever believing Christian should memorize this verse of Scripture because what it's saying here is the power that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead quickens our mortal bodies. That's what we need. If we're going to know sanctification and power in living the godly Christian life, if we're going to know true sanctification, it's going to come from that power that is at work within us. And so... The Holy Spirit has power to set you free from sin and death. And I'm going to come back to verse 11 next time. And I may just preach on verse 11 next, next Sunday uh, in accordance to God's, uh, as God would have it. We'll, we'll see. Uh, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Father, for the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among your your children here at Grace Bible Church. And thank you for your love for all saints. Father, we give thanks and praise to you for your people. They're your flock, and you know each one of them by name. Lord, we mention each one of them in our prayers. May you, the Lord, our God, and our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Father of glory, give to us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of yourself. I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened so that we will know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and for what we have been studying today, for what is the surpassing greatness of your power toward us who believe. These are all in accordance to the working of the strength of your might, which you brought about in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion 
and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And you have put all things in subjection under our Lord Jesus' feet. He's won our salvation, and it is complete. And you have given him as head over all things to the church and to us at GBC, for we are Christ's body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Equip your saints, Lord, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ Jesus, our Lord and our precious Savior. Help us to labor striving according to your power which mightily works within us in these very difficult and troubled days. We look for and long for the blessed hope and for your kingdom to come and for your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We are your children, the children of God, and it has not appeared at this point what we will be, but we know when our Lord Jesus appears that we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And we have this hope fixed on our Messiah. Father, let us purify ourselves just as our Lord Jesus is pure. We pray these things to his name, in his name and for his glory. Amen.